On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we have the great good fortune to talk to Tom Addis III, who is really kind of a legend in golf in Southern California. Um, Tom uh, was uh, the head professional at Singing Hills Country Club for 30 years, and um, during that time, he was uh, served in a number of positions with the SCPGA. He was uh, president of the San Diego chapter. Then he was president of the entire SCPGA. And then after that, he um, ended up uh, a few years later serving uh, the PGA nationally in an officer position, two years as secretary, two years as vice president, and then in 1995-96 as the national president of the PGA. So kind of a unique triple crown there being chapter president, section president, and then national president of the PGA. Um, and <clears throat> along the way, um, garnered uh, a number of awards, um, including uh, the Horton Smith Award uh, for... Um, uh, outstanding contributions to education, um, and then in 1989, the highest annual honor that the PGA bestows upon a PGA professional, which is the National Golf Professional of the Year. Um, people who've listened to this podcast, you know, we've had a number of award winners of that prestigious award on um, uh, Eric Eshelman from Birmingham. Um, and Kerry uh, Cosby, of course, from Southern Hills, and actually Jeff Kitty, who we had on last year from Ronamink, just won that award last week, and, um, and Tom Mattis is in that um, group as well. Uh, and uh, so after all of that, that would be kind of quite a lengthy career for anyone else, um, but Tom kept going, um, and after a few positions in industry, uh, he then um, went on a 17-year run as the CEO and executive director of the SCPGA. So after serving as president, um, later on comes back on the administrative side as the CEO of the SCPGA, where um, he had a terrific run and just retired from that position at the end of last year. Um, and... Um, uh, is in an emeritus position now doing some special projects. The 100th anniversary of the SCPGA is coming up in 2024. I know that's one of the things that's on his plate. Um, and, um, uh, you know, along the way, just a slew of Hall of Fame inductions, including the SCGA Hall of Fame a few years ago, the SCPGA Hall of Fame, and a number of others. And um, if that isn't enough, um, we talk towards the end of the podcast about all of the tremendous efforts he's made um, in spearheading the um, uh, PGA's efforts to introduce golf to Special Olympics, worked with um, Sergeant and Eunice Shriver on that, um, and got the 2008 Conrad Reeling Award for that, which I know is as meaningful to him as anything he's done in his career. So, um, just an incredible career um, spanning 50-plus um, years, um, you know, along those lines. I think he's been a PGA member for 50-years-plus. Um, um, so just a, a real icon in Southern California golf and um, 
as you'll see, I think pretty quickly as you listen to this, um, just a wonderful guy too. So uh, up next, um, Tom Addis III um, of the SCPGA and many other stops along the way um, here on Larry the Golf Guy. Welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy, and uh, it's my great honor today to sort of be joined by really one of the true icons in the game in Southern California, Tom Addis. Um, and uh, Tom, thank you so much for making time to chat with us today. Thank you very much, Larry. I appreciate it, and it's, it's great to be with you for sure. Uh, thanks. So, um so much to talk about. You've had so many different positions and accomplishments in your career, uh, which we'll get into, but maybe just to kind of go back to the beginning um, and uh, uh, sort of where maybe you can chat a little bit about where you grew up in, in California and, and how you got your start in the game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm a native California. First of all, uh, I need to say something. I've been called icon over the last a <laughs> few months uh, based probably on my retire retirement, but probably more so based on my age. So uh, <laughs> I, I like the word. I think it's pretty cool. But uh, no, it's it's great. I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah, I, I was born in uh, California, in San Diego, California, as a matter of fact, native San Diegan. Uh, lived there most of my life. Uh, however, we did move away, <clears throat> excuse me, from San Diego to Fresno, uh, when I was uh, four. Uh, I was okay. born in 1945, and we went up there. My dad at the time was uh, in insurance, and then he uh, had the opportunity to move up Fresno closer to some of our family, became a, a, a rancher, uh, and uh, so lived in Fresno for a while, went to elementary school in Fresno. Uh, then uh, uh, we can go back to that, but then moved because we'll get back into golf. But then we moved to Madeira, okay, uh, just north of Fresno, right? Uh, for a while, my dad got into the golf business in Fresno. Then we moved to Madeira. I went to elementary school and six months of high school there. Then we moved to Northern California. Uh, after that, uh, and I did did uh, all but the first six months of high school uh, uh, at James Logan High School in uh, Union City, California, by in the Bay Area, where my dad was also a golf pro. So. Uh, and then back down to San Diego, uh, and then um, lived there for for most of my life. And then we moved up into the uh, up into a place called Beaumont, California, and, uh, about 15, 16 years ago. Got it. And so, with your, I, I assume your dad being uh, in golf is the one who introduced you to the game. Yeah, my dad was. Uh, he was a good player. He um, uh, he went to Ohio State, played on the golf team there. Oh wow. Uh, and then had, uh, for some reason, uh, moved to California. I believe it was uh, that he couldn't serve in the armed forces because of asthma, but uh, ended up working in the defense industry. Interesting. Okay. Uh, when he came to San Diego and then he sold insurance for a while and played a lot of golf, uh, as I guess insurance people do from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so that's that's how we got into San Diego. Um, when he went to Fresno, he was at Fresno Airways Golf Course. Okay, uh, Fresno's got some great golf courses with Sunnyside and Fort Washington and Belmont and all those. Uh, and Fresno's a municipal golf course, par sixty nine. So 
we live very near the golf course out on Clinton Avenue. And my dad, um, I really didn't start playing right away, but he gave me a cutoff seven iron. I've told this story before. Gave me a cutoff seven iron and I would hit dirt clods. We lived in the middle of a, of a farm. Oh, wow. Plowed ground, all, whether it was cotton or out, whatever it might be, the crop of the year. And But I would hit dirt clods, and, and that's kind of how I developed an interest. And then he let me caddy when I was 10. Okay. Um, so we went out caddying for our little dollar and a quarter around. Uh, sometimes we'd do a double round, but we'd pull the pull cart for the for the client. I guess we call them now. But, uh, uh, but we had a great time. We'd finish our round. We'd go in and we'd buy a big stick popsicle and a Delaware punch and spend just about all of our dollar and a quarter uh, on that. But that was fun. And that's where I learned how to play golf also. That's awesome. Um, so did you play at all in, in, in high school or anything like that, or junior golf, any kind of organized? Uh, yeah. I mean, I know it's funny, you know, people talking now, and I mean, um, for both you and I, uh, you know, the junior golf is so different today. I mean, when I was, uh, I mean, I'm 61 and when I was playing, I mean, the American junior golf association was just getting started and obviously it was not there when, when you were there. And, and of course we'll get into the unbelievable junior stuff that the SCPGA has, but back yeah. then, of course, none of that stuff was around, but what, did you play any kind of organized stuff or school or whatever? Yeah, way back then we did have organized golf, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, I played junior golf. I played in uh, uh, high school. I uh, started out in Madera, Madera High School. Actually, I I was on the diving team for the first part of the year uh, before competition started. Uh, and then we moved to the Bay Area and I moved to um, Fremont, California and went to James Logan High School. Uh, and it was there that I played high school golf as well as most of all of my junior golf in the Northern Cal Junior Golf Association. Uh, a guy named Mac McCarley, if I recall, was the the uh, the person who ran that. And, and there was a regular junior tour. And I played with the likes of, um, and some people remember these names, but a lot of people won't. Uh, uh, players like Ron Ceruto and, and yeah. Bob Lunn, who uh, each sure. won the tour. Yeah, um, uh, I played with players like that who uh, uh, we had a great time, uh, Jim Johnson and Ryan McNally. And, and we played all over California, uh, whether it be in the San Joaquin Valley in a series down there. We played in Salinas, wow. um, played all around Northern California and the like. So, yeah, pretty extensive junior golf program. I was never hugely successful, won a couple tournaments and a couple of age groups. Uh, Ron Ceruto at the time, and he lives in the Carolinas now. And I'll never forget, my dad was pro at Hayward Golf Course. And yeah. uh, um, we were playing the Hayward Junior. And we, Ron and I were in the same age group. Uh, I think it was 13, 14 or 13 to 15, whatever it was back there. And I had a 73 the first round. He had 75. And so I was leading the age group over him by a couple. Uh, I had 38 on the... Um, uh, excuse me, I had 39 on the front nine and he had 38 on the second round, but he shoots 29 on the back nine. Oh my God, at that age. Wow. <laughs> and, and 142 ends up winning because he had 75 the first round. He shot 142, wins the tournament. Uh, we go to the next tournament in San Mateo. I shot 144, which isn't bad. 
Yeah, it's great. He shoots 131. Wow. Uh, he wins wow. like six or eight or 10 in a row or something like that. So that was, you know, pretty cool to see something like that and, and to play with players like that and Bobby Lunn and Dick Lotz and those kinds of players. Oh, I remember all those things. Junior golf. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, um, uh, and they all played at Hayward for the most part. Uh, uh, Ron and Jim Johnson were members up at Castlewood there, and we used to play there a lot. But anyway, yeah, I did play a lot of junior golf um, and played high school golf on James Logan High School team. Yeah. Great. Awesome. So take me forward a little bit, you know, uh, college and then, you know, getting into golf. What What was sort of your thinking and maybe how you decided that, gee, I'm going to, this golf thing is something I may want to make a career out of. Um, how was your thought process in that? Yeah, that, I think that uh, that's a pretty interesting question <laughs> on its own. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I played uh, uh, one year of college golf. I played, I went to Foothill college. Right. I was going to play golf there. And for some reason didn't, I, I don't recall why. Uh, and that, that's near up, up in the area where Stanford is up in yeah. there. And then my folks moved to back down to San Diego and, and, uh, um, and then I, uh, soon followed, uh, and went to, to Grossmont Community College down there. I was going to transfer to a, uh, University of Pacific up in Stockton after I, um, completed my time at Grossmont. Uh, and what's interesting, I, I did play golf there. I played on the the golf team at Grossmont College, and uh, we weren't really good. We won a few matches. Uh, my my claim to fame is in one of the matches uh, I beat the um, the second year reigning uh, U.S. Junior champion. So I was kind of happy about that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but that's the only claim to fame, other than a few matches here and there. But <laughs> um, I was actually studying uh, pre ministry when I was in school. Oh, wow. Okay. And I wanted to, uh, uh, which a lot of people kind of, what? Uh, and, uh, but I really wanted to teach. That's what I wanted to do uh, when I graduated and was ordained. And, uh, but uh, as my priest at the time, uh, uh, when I changed, when I went to him and said, hey, um, Father, here's what I'm going to do. I, I really want to get in the golf business. I have an opportunity to work with my dad. Uh, at a par three golf course in La Mesa, California, called Sun Valley, and he he was pretty cool about it. And by the way, he remained good friends with me for for many many years, and and did a lot of uh, work with me and with us, and and um, it was fun. But anyway, uh, he said, "Well, uh, Son Tom, uh, you just have a little bit of a different calling on Sunday." Uh, at the golf course and not at the church. So uh, that's funny. That's where I ended up. That's uh, started out um, uh, at Sun Valley Golf Course, par three golf course, night lighted range. And uh, my dad soon uh, uh, moved uh, back up to Fresno to build a golf course. Wow. And okay. so uh, myself and my wife, Susan, uh, who, by the way, uh, in June will be married 50, 57 years. Well, yeah, and I was going to say, yeah, we were going to, I was picturing at some point, high school sweethearts, right? I yeah, mean, we were, as a matter of fact. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, one of the, we, um, I was working at Sun Valley and I was spending way too much money on the payphone. Back then we had payphones <laughs> and I would, I would fill the payphone so it wouldn't work any longer. And I'd have to call the phone company to come out and take the quarters. Oh, that's out funny. Of the payphone so I that's could funny. It. 
That's you know, right. Back I love in it. the 60s, we didn't have mobiles or anything like right. that. Sure. But anyway, um, so Susan moved down, or she came down one weekend while I was working at Sun Valley, and we went over to Winter uh, Yuma and Winter Haven, California, and eloped uh, with my parents, by the way, with my mom and dad. Uh, and that was in, in uh, whatever, 1966. And uh, and then we worked together at Sun Valley. Susan oh. would operate the snack bar and, and I would do the golf. And literally, um, we would uh, we'd work all day. I'd close the range at 10. I'd go out and pick up the balls Wow! Uh, by hand because it was a very hilly range. Uh, we'd go home. I'd come back at 4.30 the next morning. Oh, my. And irrigate and mow greens. Oh. That lasted about six months, by the way. That was oh. working that. that That's day. brutal. You know, That's it's, just brutal. It's like the postman walking uphill in the snow and the wind, you know, and, <laughs> and, and it was literally that way. But that was a great start, and I owe my dad a lot for that, uh, for the opportunity to do that. Uh, but I couldn't get in the PGA. Back then, uh, there was no such thing as what we now call the associate program. Mm. Uh, you had to work for a class A professional like my dad mm -hmm. uh, in order to get in the PGA. So uh, long story short, uh, and, and I was at Sun Valley for a little bit over a year uh, managing that place. But again, couldn't get the PGA. A lot of people, a lot of the, a lot of the pros from Singing Hills uh, would come over and practice. Okay. Uh, Kevin Fleming being one, and he was the first assistant, and he was going out on tour, and he asked me, he said, look, I'm going to go, um, and they're going to look for a first assistant. Would you be interested? Uh, can I get in the PGA? Yes. And I, and I said, absolutely, I would be interested. So I moved to Singing Hills, 54-hole uh, uh, resort uh, operation, golf club resort operation, uh, went in its first assistant in uh, August of 1967. Okay. Uh, got in the the then the apprentice program. Uh, actually, it was uh, I worked for a class A. They really call it anything other than you were interning, so to speak. Yeah. He ended up leaving in 1969, so I was back in the same state I was at Sun Valley. But fortunately, I had a good friend, and and you might know the name Pat Riley. Oh, famously. Yeah. He, yeah. Sure. And uh, Pat helped me a lot. Uh, he kind of single handedly helped change the uh, apprentice and created the apprentice program with a number of other individuals, of course, uh, which then would allow me to get into the PGA. Uh, he was uh, he was bent on getting that done for, for persons like not, not only myself, but others out there who had the same situation, were very qualified, who couldn't get into the PGA. Right. Wow. Uh, finally get in the PGA. I got my membership in 1972, September. Uh, stayed at Singing Hills for 31 years. Wow. Um, and uh, as uh, head professional director of golf, uh, Singing Hills was an exceptional uh, and extraordinary place. Uh, busy. Um, we had 54 holes. Uh, we were uh, kind of renowned for um, uh, our tournament program, our instruction programs. Uh, for our uh, merchandising programs. We were one of the uh, the first golf shops to do over a million dollars way back then. Wow, that's a lot back a, then. That was quite yeah. a, a level at that time. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, and uh, and then our tournament programming where 
we had huge numbers of, of, of outings a year. So it was a busy spot, in other words. And, and I loved every minute of it. The owners, Steve Harrell and Jerry Hollingsworth, were good friends, mentors, and, and exceptional people who helped me more than I can really uh, really say. They, they were they were the key to my life in, the, in business as well as personally in, in many ways. And I'll never forget those two gentlemen. Wow. So 30 years is quite a run. So, I mean, yeah. were you... Um... Did you do much? I mean, so many different facets to a place that we do. Were you doing much teaching? I mean, you know, and and you know, you mentioned the merchandising, and, and that is impressive. That much money back then, but I'm just curious, kind of, what was your days yeah. like there? All of the above, or kind of, what were you doing? Yeah, you know, it was pretty. You know, being as busy as as it was, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I was busy every single day when I first went there. Uh, I was actually trying to play a little bit, and okay. Uh, the golf professional there, who was also my instructor at the time, Laddie Drake, he went on the Carlton Oaks, and that's how I took over as head professional. So, excuse me, I tried to play, played in the state opens and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but then about, I don't know, early 70s, uh, even when I got the head professional position, I still was in the back of my mind thinking I could play. Sure. But... Uh, Kevin Fleming, who I took his place, and, and guys like Cesar Sinudo, uh, who hung around there, and and others, you know, they'd go out on the tour. Caesar won, but Kevin would go out on the tour, and his brother-in-law was Chuck Courtney, who's a decent player. Yeah, I remember that name. Yeah, uh, yeah, and but I'd watch Kevin and some of these other players who go out. You know, and around San Diego, they'd shoot 65, 66. I was shooting my 69, 70s, and I said, you know if they can't go out there and succeed and they were, yeah. it's the same old thing. They were beating me in San Diego. Yeah. There's no chance. So yeah. that's when I started focusing on club operations. I, I got involved with uh, instruction, uh, got involved with the PGA business schools and uh, uh, became involved with the rules of golf. Uh, but I was, uh, I did a, a number of instruction seminars, gave a huge number of lessons at singing Hills Wow, uh, that looked like that was going to be my deal for a while. Yeah, uh, and I would get—I was lucky enough to give a teaching workshop with Mr. Runyon. Uh, oh my God, Paul Runyon! There's yeah, a man. I had yeah. the opportunity. I, I was not the feature, of course, but uh, had the opportunity to do a, a, a couple of workshops with a gentleman by the name of Bill Strasbaugh. Uh, oh. legend back east legend famous and of course we have the Strasbauer award named yep. after him so and, famous uh, guy yep. became good friends with bill jim flick wow. yeah. some, so that's what yeah. i was doing had our own golf school at cool. singing hills in fact one of the golf school schools is still there it's called the golf school for women uh and shirley spork and i uh and a, and a, and a young woman at the golf course then by the name of bobby stewart uh, I'm going back into the early eighties, mid eighties. We started that school and and you might remember Shirley's name as well. Oh, but we actually, interestingly, and we had Shirley on the podcast about a couple of months before she passed last year. And we had a wonderful discussion, yeah. another, another icon, another legend for, uh, yeah, she's, golf. She's, 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 she was amazing. She was amazing. One of my dear friends, one of my best friends, actually. And, uh, so we did that school for a while and, and, uh, uh, singing Hills was known to be women centric. And back then there was a golf for women magazine and all that stuff. And we, yeah. were, 
we were uh, we loved that kind of stuff. We had two national women's intercollegiate championships there. Wow! Before it was called NCAA, it was uh, AIAW at that time. Okay. Uh, and a young woman by the name of Kathy Gone won the first one in 1970, uh, and then uh, Mary Budkey from Oregon uh, won the second one in '74. We had two U.S. Junior Boys Championships. Uh, Jack Renner, some people might remember his name. Oh, well, we, we all, but the, my biggest memory of Jack Renner was uh, Asai Oki knocking in the yep. wedge in Hawaii to beat him. In but Hawaii, uh, right. he, was, he was a great player. Uh, he had the Hogan yeah. cap and stuff, and he was a really good player. He played at, he played at Singing Hills a, a lot. I didn't know that. There. Wow. He and his family in practice. And then David Duvall in 89. Oh, wow. Junior championship at Singing yeah. Hills then and beat Chris Riley in the semifinals. Yeah. Uh, and Chris went on to be fairly successful. So those kinds of things at Singing Hills, the merchandising, we won a number of merchandising awards. And then kind of the mid 80s, I got really involved with the PGA. You know, I was president of the San Diego chapter. I was president of Southern California PGA. I went on the PGA of America board of directors. So it looked kind of like I was going to get involved in the in the uh, in the politic in in the in, in right. The, Governance in, better word than politics, governance into the PGA. And I started really enjoying that part of it. And I was involved in, in teaching at the PGA business schools. And that was really important uh, around the country. And I started doing, uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, rules workshops. I went on the PGA of America Rules Committee, uh, became vice chairman of the Rules Committee. Uh, so I was able to do championships and, and, um, uh, Ryder Cups and things like that. And then I was elected into national office in December of 1990 uh, and sat through eight years of, of uh, national office being president in 1995 and 1996. So, yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. So, and you, that was a perfect segue because I was going to mention. So, you mentioned you sort of, you know, were San Diego chapter president, uh, then section president in, of the SCPGA, then you went to the national stuff. We should mention along the way, you're garnering some pretty notable awards, then called the Horton Smith Award, um, you know, and, and of course, the biggest one, National PGA Professional of the Year. Um, we've had Kerry Cosby on, we've had Eric yeah. Eshelman on, other winners, um, and um, that that's the highest honor you can get. So all awesome stuff. And now you're doing the national PGA stuff and ultimately be president um, you mentioned um, uh, Riley from um, Annandale, who preceded you by a few years, I think, as as president, right? Uh, yeah, but uh -huh. but what what talk to me about those national positions? What did you like about it? What I mean, you use the word politics. I think governance is probably a better word. I agree, but you know, it's it's um, it's a big deal. I mean, the PGA is a huge organization. Um, what was that like being involved in the national stuff? What did you like about it? What did you What was it like for you? Yeah, that, that's that's really good um, because it's wonderful. Uh, the whole experience from the chapter on through the section into the PGA it was just exceptional. And things that I was able to do, even on the rule, I shouldn't say even, but on the rules committee, going to major sites and and having the responsibility of of defining and marking the golf course, for example, the major yeah. championships, yeah, uh, was pretty exceptional. I bet. Uh, and being able to teach a rules workshop, and I'll never forget, I know I'm kind of getting there a little and hopefully That's okay. Right. No, go ahead, please. But uh, you know, I got used to get a little bit nervous from time to time, but 
one of the, the most nervous I've been, well, there was a time at Singing Hills when um, my first Reels presentation was in front of Mark Kazire. Okay. He was a former president, Reels expert, and it was at a business school. And I was pretty nervous then. Uh, in fact, Mark was one of the individuals who came and talked to my owners, Steve Hurrell and Jerry Hollinsworth, about me running for PGA office. Okay. He did that in the mid-80s. Wow. And, and flew over from, uh, at the time, was Oklahoma and talked to uh, my owners about me running in the future. So that was interesting. But but the most nervous I've ever been in a, something like that, other than being confronted out on the golf course, was I gave a, a rules workshop at uh, USGA Golf House. Okay. And, uh, and the individual who decided to sit in on not just one day, or half a day, but he sat in all three days, was P.J. Boatwright. I, I knew you were going to say P.J. Boatwright. <laughs> it was either going to be Joe Dye or P.J. Boatwright. Yeah, it was, yeah. was P.J. And, and P.J. and I were friends, but I'm telling you, standing up in front of, you know, in in Golf House, yeah, and with P.J. and the audience was uh, extraordinary. I can uh, only never imagine. Never so nervous, other than when I ran for office and <laughs> some other things that, than that that week with PJ Boatwright in the audience. But those are the kind of things that were so cool. And then and then when you get elected, notwithstanding the responsibility uh, that you have to to your members, to to PGA members, which is the key, that's the key deal. Yeah. Is, is PGA members is um uh, the responsibility you have uh, when you're doing rules uh and because when you uh, when you're elected, and back then, if you were certified, you were automatically on the Augusta Tournament Committee, the Masters Tournament Committee, oh, wow. the Rose Committee. Wow. Okay. And that's changed a little now. Uh, and we uh, also on the, the U.S. Open, the USGA Rules Committee for the Open. So right away, we were able to do and 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 be officials at, at Augusta and U.S. Open, and then uh Ken Lindsay who came right after me uh was is probably was at the time one of the, the premier rules people in the world and he and I had the honor of uh serving on the Royal and Ancient Rules Committee for the Open Championship wow yeah uh it, it was a wow for sure <laughs> that's a big wow yeah that was a big wow and so uh we were able to do that for 4 years I was uh Ken got to do it for 6 years and uh, the, things like that are just part of the exception that, sh that you have the opportunity to do. Um, and you never forget those kinds of, notwithstanding, like I said, the, the opportunity you have to work for your membership. Uh, and it was a tough road to get there. I, I, I ran in 1988 against Gary Shaw, who was my predecessor as president. Uh, Pat, was in, Pat was in office in 89 and 90. Okay. Uh, Dick Smith followed Pat and then Gary and then me. Uh, but I lost my first round to Gary. Oh, okay. And, and it was kind of a history-making deal because back then we had paper ballots <laughs> and we tied on four ballots. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and people were changing votes. Oh, boy. And we still tied. There was a hundred and I think there was 114 votes available. Wow. And uh, and Gary finally on the on the last ballot uh, ends up winning uh, uh, 112 because he won 58-54. Uh, 
And uh, but then I ran the next year and, and won the next year and, and started my officer uh, career. Uh, just just an exceptional time, uh, Dick and Gary and, and myself to start with. <clears throat> and we played a lot of golf. And that was another thing uh, that was pretty cool about everything was, uh, was the opportunity to meet the RNA individuals, the leaders yeah. of the RNA, the leaders of the British PGA, the leaders of golf in the world and share time, you know, whether it be the USGA or, or whatever organization that was. And that was one of the things that we did that we felt so good about is creating this atmosphere and creating this bond between these other organizations. Uh, and, and there was nothing like that. And, and that included our spouses. Uh, and so we became very good friends and still are. Uh, with a number of number of people like Michael Benalek, for example. Oh, famous, famous British yeah. fellow. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. and uh, first so, secretary or whatever. I'm forgetting the term they call it, the RNA. But I mean, he was he, he had was significant the secretary position. of the RNA. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, he was the paid paid staff person at that time. Right. So those friendships you you remember, you never lose, and that's that's what's so wonderful about. Uh, about being in office and serving at that at that level and that capacity is the people you get to meet. I'm uh, sure. Like we go back to Oak Hill this year, um, right for the PGA, right? And, and uh, Jerry Stahl was a a stalwart. Pardon the the guy <laughs> in there at Oak Hill, and we became friends. And so I'm looking forward to. I uh, I think he's still around seeing Jerry. Um, but we had our 95 Ryder Cup at Oak Hill, which was right. uh, probably one of the, um, at the end, at least one of the most down moments I've ever had. Yeah, that was when we were struggling a little bit with the Ryder Cup. Right yeah, now. we, uh, we kind of blew that one, too. There was a couple yeah. bad shots on the last hole. And yeah, yeah. Be present in the PGA and have to convene <laughs> over those that ceremony at the end was was, again, the most difficult thing I've ever done. In fact... In the procession walking in, um, directly behind uh, Curtis Strange, the last yep. player line, and walk through the crowd and walk in, and and he gets to his wife, and they both break down right in front of me. Yeah, and, boy. And I, oh, boy. I, I couldn't do it. And so walk up on the stage, and I'm sitting there, and and I, I don't know what to do. I'm sitting there, and, and I can't wow. stop. Oh, boy. And the emotion, so you can't breathe. And there's what a hundred thousand people out there, plus the TV people. Right. Audience, uh, finally, just said, "Okay, focus on your. You know, you've heard this a million times. Focus on that spot out there in center yep. field." Yeah. And that's what I had to do, and, and got wow. the trophy. Prize. But anyway, that was that was probably the most difficult time that I ever experienced, other than losing my first election uh, in the PGA. But the opportunity to to Larry work with our members and in, in creating what's good for our members and what's good for golf. And, and I'm not saying that lightly. I mean, that, that is what it's all about. Just like my job now. Yeah. It's all about the, well, not, it used to be because I retired at the end of the year, but, yeah. uh, but it still is all about the members. Totally. Uh, and, and, and golf. And that's to be able to focus on that and say, okay, everything that we're doing is going to benefit the game and our PGA member and our golfer. That's pretty cool to be able to do that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and I've been able to do that for 50 years. 
It, it is amazing. Um, and, um, and boy, I can just imagine the people you were me. I'm just, you know, Augusta yeah. RNA. I mean, that all that is, is, is great, great stuff for someone who loves the game. Um, so that, that's fantastic. Never got to meet Princess Diana though. That was my. Oh, you would have been close, right? Cause she passed away in 97. So you're 97. So. I met Prince Andrew, which, uh, had opportunity to, to spend time with him. Uh, whether you like that or not, I did. Uh, and I, and I really thought that I would meet at some point. Yeah. A princess. I really thought that, yeah. but it never happened, but, uh, I still have the, the purple, uh, what are they called? The little stuff, little things you used to buy, but anyway, yeah, I've got all that, the princess Diana stuff. So that's good enough. That, that, that's pretty good. But yeah, but the RNA stuff, I mean, I've always, that building, iconic building yeah. behind the, talk about icons, that iconic building behind the 18th at St. Andrews, or the first tee in the 18th at St. Andrews, and the nothing home of like golf. It. I mean, there's nothing like it, right? Yeah, it's, uh, we had the privilege, uh, when we were doing the rules, we did uh, 95 championship was there, uh, of course. and John and, Daly, right? It's yeah, John, John Daly. Daly. And 95, we had the opportunity then, because we had the rules thing, that we could go in the clubhouse. Oh, wow. That was the only time I was ever in the clubhouse there. Uh, wow. Which, which was really nice. That really was a cool. famous tournament, right? I mean, uh, Constantine yeah. Roca dumps the, the pitch shot and then knocks it in through the Valley of Sin for the Ty yeah, Daly. And, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy, right? But um, that's cool. Yeah, that clubhouse, there's not a lot of people that are in there nope. outside of the RNA members. So uh, that that's cool. So you finished that up um, the, all those years and your presidency in 95 and 96. Um, and I know we're going to get back to PG, the SCPGA where, you know, you, you had a stellar run as executive director, I think, starting in 2006. But sort of in between those two, um, you're, it sounded like you sort of got into a few different things. I saw this medallion golf um, and a few other things. Maybe talk about what was going on for those years during your career. Yeah, when I left Singing Hills um, in, in uh, let's see, July, August of 98. And so I was there for 31 years. And I had the opportunity to, to go into business with two individuals uh, into a golf management business, buying and buying golf courses and operating golf. I'm the typical management company. Right. They were startup. They had some nice dollars behind them. And and I'd, I'd known the one individual uh, for a little bit, and they talked me into doing this thing. Uh, the financial reward alone and the independence uh, were going to be pretty good. Yeah. So anyway, after 31 years, I, I left Singing Hills and moved to Salt Lake City, where these two individuals were, were located. And I love Salt Lake City. Uh, but after a year, some things happened that uh, weren't very good. Uh, and we closed the business and lost everything. And I oh, wow. ended up moving back to San Diego. Okay. Uh, and I happened to know uh, Floyd Arnold, who then owned uh, Full Swing Golf, the simulator company. Yeah. And he was looking for somebody to come in that had a name that could kind of talk with golf pros. So I went to work with Full Swing for a year, but then uh, I really wanted to get back into golf operations. So uh, I established what was called Medallion Golf and uh, started working on various projects and ended up um, with a few golf courses, ended up being uh, uh, 
going in as a partner in my old nemesis near Singing Hills Cottonwood Golf Club. Okay. Which was three and a half miles down the road. Uh, say nemesis, co- competitor, I should say. Competitor, right? No, I right. But now I'm I'm a partner in that operation. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, so I did that for a while, and then uh, uh, built helped build a golf course, open a golf course in L.A. called uh, Angeles National. Oh, it's a wonderful course. I've played yeah, it, it a couple times. Nicholas Course. Nicholas Course, right? Yeah. Very difficult. The greens are very hard. Yeah. Very difficult. <clears throat> uh, built a range in Escondido. Uh, called the Hodges, uh, helped build that and helped build a golf course and open a golf course near Las Vegas at Boulder City called Boulder Creek. And so that's what I did. And uh, (laughs) for a while there, I was driving between Las Vegas, San Diego, Los Angeles. Yeah, it wasn't a boy, that's for sure. That's a road warrior. Yeah, Yeah, there was a number of weeks that I I would drive over Wednesday morning to Las Vegas and drive back Wednesday night. Because I had to be somewhere like Angeles National the next day or whatever. Uh, But that's what I did. And then um, some representatives from the Southern California PGA, uh, I had moved to Beaumont in 05, mid-05, to be near my son, Brian, uh, uh, who was uh, uh, at Country Club of Saboba then. He's now at the Crosby and Crosby, Sunday. right, in Rancho Santa Fe, yeah, yeah, and uh, and our granddaughter, uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn was born in uh, uh, in Boise, Idaho. Brian went up there and worked for a guy named Jerry Bro at Hillcrest Country Club, and Jerry's a, an icon up in the uh, up in Idaho in the Pacific Northwest, Rocky Mountain. I mean, anyway, so we moved to Beaumont, and uh, and this was in mid '05. Uh, a couple of uh, uh, Scott Stubbs, Patrick Casey, Pat Riley came to me and said, hey, uh, our executive director is leaving. We'd like you to take over and, and do the deal. We wow. need some help. Uh, we need to catch up with our membership. We need to catch yeah. up with our allied groups. Yeah. And you're the person to do it. So I said, I don't know, you know. So I thought and I talked to a lot of people. And my wife and I, Susan, spent a lot of time talking and uh, Susan finally said to me, Tom, you would be silly. Actually, you'd be stupid not to do this. This is your section. Yeah. You started here. You you went through the presidency representing the Southern California PGA. They now need your help. You are going to do this. And I did. And so on January 23rd of 06, uh, I walked in the front doors of the double wide out at the PGF Southern California golf club where we were located at the time. Cause we'd owned that golf course. Right. Uh, and that was it. And, wow. and I loved every single minute of it. Yeah. So that was a whole, I mean, you've had so many different wonderful facets to your career and um, Patrick Casey's a good friend. Cause he was of course at Brentwood for many years where I yeah. got to know him and, and I yeah. know he was active in the SCPJ. So I'm, we're all lucky that he was one of the people who helped convince you to do this. So that sure. you, you sort of have a 17 uh, year run, you know, at that um, talk about what, you know, and, and as you say, you know, it's hardly your first time with the section. I mean, you're on the ED CEO side of it, but you were obviously, you know, running it from as a president uh, earlier. And, and, and so, you know, you're most associated with that SCPGA organization. 
what do you sort of, you look back, I know you're still involved doing some special projects and we've got the hundredth anniversary coming up, yep. but you know, you're sort of um, somewhat past the torch to Nikki. I know as, as she's taken over that uh, as you retired the end of last year. So looking back, what do you kind of look at as the most significant accomplishments of the section under your leadership as you look back? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. And it's more than somewhat past the uh, baton to Nikki. Nikki is, <laughs> Nikki is in, in my experience, which is long, is the most interested, uh, the most motivated, and the most qualified person I've ever seen to do what she's doing now. Yeah. The executive director, CEO of Southern Cal. And then that includes all of the sections around the country. All, wow. All That's high praise. Sections. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I first started uh, and Nikki and I worked together in, in 06, she left in 11 to go to work for the PGA. She worked for the PGA of America for seven years. Right. But the whole idea was to get her back if we could. Yeah. But because I know when she left that she wanted to be the executive director. When, when and if I ever left, she wanted my job, so to speak. Um, and we worked every ounce to do that from, from the time I started getting to know her and, 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 and pushing through, so to speak. So it was a natural and, it, and it's the best thing the section has ever done is, is bringing Nikki Gatch in to, to operate the section. Um, yeah, I, I think I look upon this, this job, not as a job, you've heard that a hundred times, but this position is really the best thing I've ever done. I did some good things at Singing Hills, but the opportunity to kind of start fresh with the Southern California PGA and, and knowing that we needed to work hard to, uh, better our relationships like with the SCGA for example yeah and other organizations and that's why they brought me in to pay attention to what our members are doing uh to pay attention to uh those who liked tournaments pay attention to those who wanted education and and just meld all of that together and that was that was what I was doing and that's that's what I love to do uh and the interaction with our members I think that um, we have, now we have around, uh, right around 1500 golf pros in Southern California. We've been as high as 1800 while I've been here. Uh, but the, the associate program is fluxed up and down. So that that's changed a lot, but I can honestly say that I've tried and fairly successful to meet every member out there. Wow. Uh, you know, at one time or another. Yeah. Uh, now granted, I've, you know, I probably missed a couple hundred, but I'm telling you, I, I, and that was my goal. And, and, and that was what we wanted to do. We wanted to increase purses. We wanted to enhance the membership. Uh, we wanted to create activities that would produce players. We we've done all that successfully. We continue to do that. Um, and, and I could be, I, I could not be proud of the team that we had here. Uh, whether it's our tournament team, our junior golf team, uh, which I know you wanted to talk a little bit about, um, exceptional. Uh, and everything that we do is focused on outside these walls. You know, what, what do we do? Yeah, we focus on our team here to be the best and, and 
but we're focused on everything that happens outside these walls, our membership, our juniors, golf, the golfing community to make everything around us better. Yeah. Oh, that, that's I great. I say that. Yeah, no, I know. And I know you do. And um, yeah, a couple of things kind of pivoting off that. I mean, the SCGA, SCPGA, excuse me, junior program, maybe talk a minute or two about that. Cause I mean, not surprisingly, given that it's Southern California, some of the alums in that, in that wow. program are yeah. kind of, you know, you last, could last sta- you pra- pra- practically staff our Ryder Cup team just with the alums. Um, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're, but, but it's more than just the people at the top. I mean, it's a big program. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about that because that's pretty impressive. Yeah, our junior, uh, we, we have, uh, it's a Southern California uh, uh, PGA Junior Tour. We now have upwards, uh, a little bit over 3,000 members. Uh, we have three different divisions. One is our junior development tour, which is our, which is our entry level, if you will, tour, but it's pretty competitive on its own, but we also help try to help these, uh, uh, these juniors learn how to play competitively. Uh, and, uh, through that, and, and granted, this all comes after other clinics that we're involved with, with whether it be drive, chip and putt. Uh, whatever it might be, uh, PGA Junior League, which uh, extremely successful, and here in Southern California has been extremely successful. Uh, our school programming that we do that all leads into and funnels into uh, our junior program. Uh, we have a program called Clubs for Youth, where we provide uh, high school uh, students in high school that that possibly don't have the opportunity to uh, acquire or, or use equipment. And we provide that equipment to these students in these high schools that need it. And that, that's a regular uh, that we do every, every single season, boys and girls. But anyway, uh, all of these individual groups are, are feeders to our association, um, starting with JDT, moving to our players tour, um, which is the bulk of our membership and the bulk of our events. Uh, we have over 100 JDT events. We have we have uh, uh, nearly 200 players tour events. We wow. have wow. 28, I think it is, Toyota Tour Cup, which is our uh, premier level, if you will, where the Max Homas uh, graduate and and Colin Morikawa's and and those players, Sahith Thagala, um, yeah. Danielle Kang. Yeah, uh, you know the the list goes on and on. At one time. Larry, we had um, uh, in the women's open, we had 18 competitors. Wow. The men's <laughs> open, 19 alums. Women's amateur, U.S. amateur, same thing. Those numbers, Ryder Cup, what did we have? Four? Yeah, I was going to, yeah. Uh, and like you alluded to earlier, we could end up with more this coming Ryder Cup. You, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, with When you look at Homa and you look at uh, you know, his record in the President's Cup, what he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Morikawa and Shoffley and, and these these players, uh, unbelievable. Uh, so that we have a great sense of pride because of that. And you know, many of these players have gone on and excelled in college, which is a huge goal of ours to, to, to help these um, young golfers reach college participate in college for the rest for the best of their lives 
Uh, and it so happens that many of them go on to excel on the tours. Yeah. Uh, but that's our, that's our objective is to provide this activity, provide this avenue, this, this, this pathway uh, for these young people to excel not only in their sport, but, but in, and this sounds, you know, a little bit corny, but life. Yeah. What it is. It's, it's a life path and we believe that. And if we can help them, that's what we want to do. Awesome. That's great. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to, uh, there, there's so many aspects of your credit. I don't, I don't want to, uh, miss any of the major ones. Um, uh, the, uh, special Olympics, mm-hmm. the, the work you did with, um, you know, Sergeant Eunice Shriver, yep. um, you know, maybe you can chat a little bit about that. Cause that's a whole wing in and of itself, as it strikes me of your career, that's, that's really, yeah, it really is. And, and thank you. I thank you for bringing that up because way back in the late seventies, way back, um, I started working with adaptive golfers. Uh, and back then we knew those adaptive golfers as amputees or blind golfers. And, uh, Uh, I first at Singing Hills started working with the National Amputee Golf Association uh, and uh, a guy named Bob Wilson. And I met Bob. He was from San Diego. And he started bringing these amputee events or or adaptive events to Singing Hills. And uh, and pretty soon the National Amputee Association, uh, I was helping them. We had a couple of national championships at Singing Hills, went over to Las Vegas with with. Uh, with Bob and, and helped do that uh, and, and organize those, uh, those events, those championships, uh, and then started working with the Special Olympics also. And, and a gentleman by the name of Joe O'Brien, who used to work for the PGA, uh, Joe and I had a huge interest. And J.R. Carpenter uh, and, uh, and Mickey Powell, uh, uh, former presidents of PGA, both had a high interest in adaptive golf at the time. Uh, in fact, Jr. said, "Yeah, let's let's uh, and Mickey, so let's do what we can uh, to really stimulate interest in in the adaptive golf community." So we started talking locally, and, and then we started. We met someone from Special Olympics, um, and there were national, there were events here and there, hodgepodge of events here and there of, of Special Olympic uh, uh, golf events. And so we wanted to, uh, we had the great idea of bringing golf into the Special Olympic Games. Hey, golf should be involved in the Special Olympic Games. So we started talking and and um, we met with the Shrivers in Washington, D.C. And I think it was late 88. Uh, wonderful. I mean, the, the, they were they were magnificent uh, just to be around them and yeah, I can imagine and courtesy yeah. and, the, and yeah. it, it was marvelous. One of the greatest experiences of my life, notwithstanding the special Olympics thing. Uh, so we developed this relationship. We provided some information, what we thought could happen and how it could happen. Long story short, uh, we did a, um, at the special Olympic games in Minnesota in 91, we helped do some clinics. President Dick Smith went up there and, and helped with some clinics. Uh, we continued to work on, on what we felt would work 
Um, we worked hard and, and with Conrad Railing, yeah, uh, who was coaching Alabama, yeah, and, and Rick Burton, who uh, sort of recently retired as the director of golf at East Lake, put together a manual, an instruction manual uh, for Special Olympic golfers, and so that helped. And then in '95, for the first time, uh, golf was a recognized sport in the Special Olympic Games at Yale University. Wow. Uh, one of the most proud moments of my life uh, when that occurred and to be able to be there uh, and participate and and uh, and work right alongside uh, in union with those Special Olympic athletes in, in that venue and, and the world game, that was nothing like it. And uh, and that maintained um, 99 and, and so on. So uh, couldn't be couldn't be more proud of that moment uh, and, and what it really meant to those athletes uh, and those families. Uh, exceptional. And that's unforgettable stuff. I bet. And, and you know, you mentioned Conrad Railing. Of course, you won the, one of your many, many awards, the Conrad Railing Award. Yeah recognizing and i know that's one of the ones you're you're most proud of um and you know i i'm curious it's so interesting to hear you talk about this to me because it was only last year i mean we're all the way into 2022 where the usga finally you know had this adaptive open which you know from my sense from a distance looked like was a phenomenal success um but but uh it's interesting it took a long time because you're talking 90s 2000s and um, I guess better late than never, but I mean, it, it was, it's wonderful at least that they've added that to the roster of national championships. Yeah. I found that very interesting myself because if you go back, whether it was the amputee, as we called it then championship, um, uh, whether it's the national blind championship, uh, I don't know if you remember a name, Charles Boswell was the, yeah. Oh, sure. He was, he was the, the great player with that, with uh, that group. And the USJ was always in the fringes, just like we were with some of these activities, uh, primarily with Special Olympics. Uh, USJ had representatives there at the games in 95 when we first did them, uh, but never really took a hold of it at, at that yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, I, that's why I was so happy to see this happen, that that, uh, that anybody, I, I don't want to say that lightly, uh, and I don't want to say it disparagingly either that anybody would take a hold of the adaptive golf program on the golf course. We really needed, yeah, because the competitive as golf is a great rehabilitative and recreational activity for those less fortunate than us. Absolutely, and that's that's the way you look at it. And to be able to provide that opportunity uh, for that recreation and that rehab uh is exceptional and i'm glad i'm so happy to see that it's being recognized on the national level uh, national national competitive level that it is yeah i totally That's agree help you know you look at pga hope you know help our patriots everywhere yeah uh, the the mili- whatever the military program the folds of honor stuff yeah folds of yeah. honor uh, yeah uh, wounded warriors yeah it, it's all wonderful I, I, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, let me just, uh, kind of get your overall thoughts, you know, on, on one or two things, cause you're so, 
uniquely well situated, uh, given your career, to think about and, and comment on these things. And that is sort of with all the work you've done, kind of how do you look back today at kind of the state of the PGA professional? Um, and let me maybe get at it this way. You know, it's you probably saw that Golf Digest article from a year ago that kind of painted a little bit of a dark picture of the profession. And and I'm just I'm just curious if you were sitting here talking to someone, a young Tom Addis or a young, you know, someone in their early 20s, say, you know, wanted to kind of go down the road of being a PGA professional, what would you what advice would you give them? And how do you kind of view the state of the profession these days? Yeah, that, you know, <laughs> there's so much conversation uh, about the golf business and, and yeah. how to succeed. But when, and to this day, when I'm talking to individuals, uh, regardless of, of the stage in life, um, it's it's working. It's it's making an effort. If you want to do this thing, and I know that sounds kind of rote, but it, at the same time, you, you make it what it is. You know, we, we've uh, our numbers coming into the profession are in into the golf business and profession are are down. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it doesn't meet the economic levels of some other careers out there. We've seen that with our college programs, but at the same time, you can make it. And I don't say this loosely. You can make it what it is. That may again, that may sound rote, but it's just like we talk a lot about work life balance. Yeah. But all we think of when we talk about work-life balance is time off. I, I had, I succeeded in part because I had a great work-life balance. I knew how to take care of my time. Yeah, when I was an officer, I would travel and I would work when I was home. But I would still take that time because my uh, uh, in the mid-80s and early 90s, my sons were all in sports. Uh, Tom, who now builds golf courses in Asia, was a fabulous pitcher. And he was oh, also wow. an inside linebacker that could have played college ball, but he got oh, tired wow. of getting hit. Wow. And he was going to be drafted. So I, I made time. That was my work-life balance to get to their games. Right. The same thing with Brian. And, yeah. And his competitive, whether it was baseball, and he and then he played golf at San Diego State, scholarship athlete. He, that's part of work-life balance. Yeah, is is taking care of of that or going. We opened business. Susan and I opened businesses in Mammoth, and if 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 I need to go up there, if I wanted to go, I used to ski sixty days a year. You talk about work life balance, and that and that was not while I was an officer, but that was before that. Yeah, did, did I just did did I see somewhere the Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory? Yeah, we that? own we own two stores up in Mammoth called Rocky. I, Mountain I, that's Chocolate a favorite Chocolate. of mine. I I love. I'm not. I've I've seen them all over the country. That's Our apples are the I best. The ones in Mammoth are the best. <laughs> uh, whether it's the altitude or what, I, I don't. Yeah, know yeah. Is, but, <laughs> but it's really good. But we we did that. So I did that yeah. through all this. Granted, Susan. Susan took the reins when I got elected and, and yeah. spent more time, but I was able to balance my life where I could, I could do my job. I could be involved in the PGA and I could ski. Skiing at the time was my favorite sport and still play golf once in a while. That's, and that's the way I think we have to look at it today mm -hmm. is how we do it in that manner. It's not just saying, okay, 
I want to be off at three in the afternoon. It's, it's, it's saying, here's what I need to do. Here's how I best do my job to protect myself and, and provide a living for my family and, and the future. But here's also how I can enjoy life. Might even just be going to a movie on Tuesday afternoon. I don't know. But that's that's part of what it is. Right. And, and to me, I would go in on, on Saturdays when I was home. And I might leave at two in the afternoon and go to a movie or go to one of my son's games. Or on Sunday, I'd go in and say hi to the members, take the rest of the afternoon off, whether I went to a Charger game or whatever I did. But that was part of it. But I was also part of the work community. But I was also part of, of my life balance by just doing it that way. I don't have to say, okay, I need two days off a week to do this, or I'm not going to go to work. Yeah. You create what you know that you create what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I totally agree. Um, and, and, and we just, to, uh, you mentioned your two boys. I mean, how cool is it? They're both in golf. I mean, yeah. so Brian's at, um, I think, is he like the general manager now at the Crosby? Or Brian's the general manager at the Crosby. He's been there. This is his seventh year. Yeah. And, and your other son is, is building courses, huh? Yeah. He he's been in golf course construction since 94. Wow. That's a long career. Wow. He started out, he's a shaper, which is a yeah. pretty important job. That's very he important. Started out in Indonesia. Uh, and then wow. he moved to the Philippines and lived there for a while uh, and built a number. Of, he, he, he used to work for Faldo. He worked with Norman. Uh, he worked a little bit with Nicholas. Okay. Uh, uh, different. Uh, he worked for IMG, International Management Group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mark uh, McCormick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, building golf, Japan, China, Korea. Uh, he's in, uh, I think he's in Vietnam right now, but he's built him in Cambodia. And and uh, and he's he's pretty much uh, the highest uh, demand shaper in, in Asia. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's pretty proud of him. And uh, he had a very difficult time before we went over there with substance abuse. And he, he recovered, oh. went to Betty Ford, did all that oh, stuff. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a pretty good story, actually. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize that. that. Good for him. Of, of good success. for him. Yeah. Oh, good yeah, for him. So. That, that's great. Yeah. We're um, very proud of him. Both I, of I, as, you, as you should be. Um well, listen, this has been wonderful chatting with you, Tom. And, um, you know, again, um, just uh, congratulations on just such a stellar career. Um, and, uh, you know, I've gotten involved a little bit with the SCGA being yeah. on the board and everyone speaks so highly of you. And, and you know, and I, I would echo what you said about Nikki. You know, we were the you talked about relationships with the SCGA. I mean, she is what a unique bridge, right? You know. Yeah being a PGA person, being at the PGA nationally, the SCPGA, then going up and being president of the SCGA and now back to being, you know, the executive director, a, a really unique, Pretty wonderful position. There. Pretty good story, right? <laughs> you know, you bring up, uh, in fact, uh, going to LA Country Club on on uh, Saturday. I don't know if you'll be there. Or not. I, I will see you there. I'm going yeah. to. He's <laughs> uh, deal. And then, Right. Uh, I one of the the nicest awards I've ever won, notwithstanding being in the SCGA Hall of Fame, uh, was the um, Lynn Smith Award that was awarded to me this fall. Uh, and Lynn Smith, I know you got to go, but Lynn. No, Lynn no, we Smith, got time. Go ahead, please go ahead. Lynn Smith uh, was a good friend of Steve Harrell's, my, my one of my owners and bosses at Singing Hills. Okay. 
Uh, and I met Len first in 1973, 72, actually, when he was instrumental in bringing the U.S. Junior Championship to Singing Hills. Wow, okay. Uh, and so when uh, Kevin mentioned to me and that I was uh, going to be awarded the Lynn Smith Award, there was yep. a pretty special meaning there because of the history I had with Lynn, Mr. Smith uh, and Mr. Harrell. So, um, yeah, it just it's just this huge circle. You know that that really um, it really never is broken. Yeah, it's a wonderful community, and yeah. um, it it really is. And you you're obviously a big part of that. Thank you so much for spending the time now. And I I I, sh- I kind of figured you might be there Saturday night, but I'm glad to know for sure you will. I will um, look forward to yeah. uh, seeing you in person there. Look forward to seeing you there, Larry. Thank you very Thank much. You.